Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast with your host, Brad Johnson. Brad's the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, the largest independent insurance brokerage company in the U.S. He's also a regular contributor to Investment News, The Wall Street Journal, and other industry publications. Welcome to the Elite Advisor Blueprint, the podcast for world-class financial advisors. I'm Brad Johnson, VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, and it's my goal to distill the best ideas and advice from top thought leaders and apply it to the world of independent financial advising. Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to our latest episode. Please excuse me for the stuffiness as I'm just getting over a cold, but I wanted to battle through this to make sure today's episode hits you all by Thanksgiving as it ties in absolutely perfectly. On a day where we should all sit back and reflect on all that we're thankful for, I am humbled to share this conversation with you all. And also a couple pretty amazing gives to say thanks for listening in, but I'll get to that in a second. On to today's guest. My buddy John Israel is the author and founder of The Mr. Thank You Project, a journey to elevate the level of gratitude on the planet one card at a time. Over the course of a year, he wrote five thank you cards a day, every day, That's 1,825 handwritten thank you cards over the course of a year. His new book tells the story of the surprising and amazing things that happened along the way. It's easily one of the top books I've read in all of 2018. And if you're looking to learn how expressing gratitude, both personally and professionally, can make you a better financial advisor and also a better person, this episode is for you. Here are a few highlights of what we get into. John starts out by sharing a few different stories including the very first thank you card he wrote to a Starbucks barista at 5 a.m. in the morning, an over-the-top reaction to a note to a random waitress in Philadelphia, and even text message responses from handwritten notes he's shared with pilots that have made sure he landed safely. He explains how thanking people for real, meaningful things impacted him just as much as it did them, even if he'd never met them before. Then John introduces the idea of what he calls the gratitude loop. And how a major breakthrough in his project led to a discovery that helped keep his own ego in check. From there, we dig into why nothing bad can ever happen from saying thank you. John shares a huge lesson for financial advisors about how saying thanks to even those who don't become a client can be one of the most powerful things you'll ever do. He shares how doing this himself led to a 300% ROI for John even after he'd lost the sale. John then reveals surprising and unintended results from the aftermath of the Mr. Thank You Project, including how it increased his profits solely in terms of non-canceled business and customer retention. Next, John shares the amazing story of how expressing gratitude, like for instance, a runner-up national championship team, can lead to incredible experiences you didn't see coming. And finally, I share a challenge to all of you listeners that can help you bring the lessons of the Mr. Thank You Project into the real world with the commitment of just one thank you card to start out. Okay, before we dive into the conversation, I worked with John to set up two big gives for all of you Blueprint listeners. First off, you can download John's Mr. Thank You 30-Day Challenge for free right at the top of the show notes at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 53. That's 53. This free download is designed to help you develop the habit of showing gratitude over just 30 days And John breaks it down into a system that is simple and achievable. Secondly, as a special favor to me, John autographed a box full of copies of his book, The Mr. Thank You Project. And I will be mailing them out until they're all gone. 
It is one of my top reads for 2018. I promise it will inspire you to say thank you more often. So here's what to do next if you'd like your free autographed copy of John's book. First, visit the show notes at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 5353, where you'll see an offer to grab a free copy of John's book right at the top. From there, you'll get all the instructions on what to do next. But it's as simple as leaving an honest review on iTunes for our show. You can visit the link bradleyjohnson.com forward slash iTunes to make it easy or on most mobile podcast players. Just scroll down on the show until you get to the review section. Once you've left a review, just drop us an email via brad at bradleyjohnson.com with your iTunes username and the best mailing address to ship you the book. And we'll drop you a copy in the mail as a thank you. That's simple. As always, all the additional show notes, books mentioned, and people discussed, as well as a full transcript of the show can be found on the show notes as well. So that's it. As always, thanks for listening. Without further delay, my conversation with John Israel. Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast. I'm humbled. I'm blessed. I've got my buddy John Israel here today with me. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks for having me, Brad. So besides being a friend from a dad's retreat out in Philly and one of the 17 Johns I know that, that work with Cutco, um, <laughs> you also happen to do some really cool things on the side. So what we're going to talk a lot about today is your just-released book, The Mr. Thank You Project. And what's been amazing getting to know you a little bit from a couple of dad retreats from you know John Broman, our, mut- our mutual buddy that put those on, is as I dug into your book, I didn't realize I was literally part of the story, you know, as a lot of this was unfolding, and I'm going to let you expand on what the Mr. Thank You project was. But as we were talking about before we went live here, I feel like, and I'm holding up for the camera for those of you actually watching in, this is a thank you from my buddy John that he sent me uh, not quite a year ago. But I feel like I have, after reading your book, I feel like I've got an original copy of like a ticket to a Beatles concert or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, I'll let you expand. I won't hold the audience here, uh, you know, just wondering what the heck is he talking about. I'll let you expand. What was the Mister Thank You project, and how did it come to be? Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess to give everyone a little insight into kind of who I am and, and what I do and how this whole thing came about. So um, by trade, I am a gratitude salesman. So what that means is I help people say thank you for a living. And that on, on that end of it, like career-wise, uh, I work for Cutco Closing Gifts. So we do gifts for companies, businesses to give away as, uh, as housewarming gifts, thank you gifts after a transaction. It's kind of been my world for 16 years. And like how the Mr. Thank You Project began was how many things began where you're searching for answers in life. And I was I was at a stage where you know it's funny I was a gratitude salesman who wasn't very grateful. Uh, you know you could go ask a hundred people who know John Israel what do you know about him, and they might say some nice things like he's driven or successful, but I don't think the word grateful or appreciative or maybe even happy would be uh, something they would use to describe me. So it was in 2016. I uh, was at a unique stage in my life. My wife and I had a um, we had a one and a half year old son. She was pregnant with our second child. We had just bought our first house. And she had decided to leave her job to become a stay-at-home mom. We were both, you know, excited about that decision. But for me, it was also the first time that I was the sole provider for my family. And so that was, I felt a lot of pressure, a lot of weight of what I was now responsible for. So I did what many of us do when we're uh, in search of meaning and purpose. And I went to YouTube and I looked up TED Talks. And I, I came across one that I think a lot of the listeners have probably seen 
or heard, which is Simon Sinek's famous Start With Why TED Talk. And what really struck a chord with me was just the simplicity of his message, which is that people don't care what you do. They care why you do it. And in, in relation to business, people don't care what you sell. They care why you're selling it. And if I was really honest with myself as I, as I thought about that, well, why am I selling what I sell? Why am I doing what I do in my business? In that moment, it was survival. It was literally just making ends meet, putting food on the table for my family. And if I thought, okay, well, if what Simon's saying is true and people buy into who you are and what you're about, man, I don't think that's a very inspiring place to be. And I just didn't feel I could grow a thriving business to support my family on. So I thought, okay, well, what could be a why that I could be inspired by? And just the topic of gratitude was very relevant because, you know, again, I'm a gratitude salesman and I help people say thank you. So I wanted to find some way of working on, you know, having gratitude as a part of my mission. So I made, I created this mission statement that, you know, who we are as an organization, you know, me and my small staff is that we are about elevating gratitude on the planet. And like, it sounded cool, sounded neat. Uh, clients loved it. Staff loved it. And you know, then I heard a story and I, I know we're mutual friends with John Vroman and I was at an event and he shared this story that really kind of struck a chord and, and set the stage for what the project that I started. And it's a story of the man who wanted to change the world. And it goes like this. Uh, there's a man who set out to try and change the world. And in the process of doing that, he found out the world was too big. He couldn't do it. So then he scaled back and looked at his country and thought, okay, well, you know, I, I can get involved in politics. I can affect change in my country. And then he soon realized he couldn't do that. And then he went back to his city and he's like, I know people, I can be influential and I can change my city. And the harder he tried, the more he found he still couldn't do it. And then he saw his family and he's like, oh, my family, I see them every day. You know, I, I can change my family. And as many people realize, you can't exactly change your family. They are who they are. And then it wasn't until much later in his life that he, he looked back and he saw that the only thing he could change was himself. And in effect, by changing himself, he could change his family and they could change the city and they could change the country. And ultimately, that's how he could affect change in the world. And I heard that story and I took it very literally. And I thought, well, if that's true and I'm this guy who says he's committed to elevating the level of gratitude on the planet, how am I elevating my own level of gratitude? And I just saw the major inconsistency there. So I thought, okay, well, where have I seen? or experience the highest level of gratitude. And, and I remember this experience of my wife uh, right after she had her, our, our first son. And she made this commitment to uh, use up all of her thank you cards. She had collected them and never sent any of them out, as I think many people who have that stationary box in their desk with hundreds of cards and never sent them. So she committed to giving all of these thank you cards out. And she had about like 60, 70 cards. And I remember quite literally while she was you know feeding our son with one arm, she was writing a thank you card with the other, and she was just so committed to this practice and this process. And, he, and here's really what struck a quarter with me was seeing how it changed my wife and seeing how in this place of you know, having just given birth and the emotions and the hormones and everything that they go through, she was the most gracious and loving that I've ever experienced in our relationship. And I can directly relate it to those cards. And I remember how it even started affecting our community. And people started reaching out and saying, oh my gosh, your card was just so unexpected and it meant so much. And I was at a conference one day and, and a, one of our friends who's kind of a prominent guy in the community, Kate, like beelined it straight for me to say, hey man, I got 
Monica's card. And I got to tell you, that was like a highlight of the year. Totally unexpected, completely genuine, and just really a highlight. And I just want to reflect that to you. So I had this very clear, okay, thank you cards can have an impact. They affect who's writing them. They affect the community. They affect people out there. What if that's my thing? You know, yes, I sell gifts. You know, that's my world. But instead of trying to make it that it's about my job, what if it was something that personally I was just committed to in expressing and experiencing gratitude every day? So that's how it started. And on October 10th of 2016, the Mr. Thank You Project began. And specifically what that looked like was a commitment to write five thank you cards every day for 365 consecutive days. And you know, I know we're going to go into the stories and some stuff that happened, but you know, without even knowing what happened, the thing to know for you, whatever you do for your business or your life or whatever you commit to, is when you make a major commitment like that, an adventure emerges. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew there was going to be some cool stuff. And I think that's the, the interesting part is you can't control what happens. You just got to be committed to the process and, and see what unfolds. So let's, for all of the advisors listening in, you hit a couple of the rules, but in your book, what I love is you you lay out the rules of the game that you set down for yourself of here's what I'm going on. So you hit a couple of them, all notes, handwritten, right? Yep. Every day, five cards must be written and you couldn't like bank them up. Like literally you had to write five every day. Yeah. What were the other couple because I think there were a couple more in there, weren't there? Yeah. So there so there were uh had to write five every day. It re so they didn't have to be done by midnight. They just had to be done before I officially went to bed, meaning every morning reset at zero. And I the next one is I could write a max of three cards per person, meaning I couldn't write 75 to my wife because mm-hmm. that would get really annoying. She would hate that. She would hate thank you cards every morning. Because they would just get ridiculous like, you know, hey sweetheart. You know, thank you so much for picking up the almond butter at the grocery store because you know that's what I prefer over peanut butter, and I appreciate how much you're thinking of me. Like it would just get ridiculous, and and they would totally lose their luster. And also, by the way, I know me, and I'm you know if you give me a window out, I'll take it. As most yeah. of us are, if we're not don't well, have clear welcome capital. to anybody that's decent at sales, right? Uh, there's, yeah, don't, don't give we'll your, don't give yourself a shortcut. Yeah, we'll sell ourselves in or out of anything. Okay, so and then the last rule was it for any and every day that I missed, I would donate a thousand dollars to charity. And so that was that was kind of the big clench move that was like, this is happening. There's no way out. We're gonna follow through. So every day, if I hit the next morning and the reset buttons at zero and I didn't hit the five the day before, there's a thousand bucks going to a charity somewhere. Yep. All right. Well let's <laughs> Let's dive in. Let's yeah. dive. I just want to share this adventure with everyone because I read the book and yeah, it was such an awesome book. Uh, easily one of the top books I've read this year. And I'm not just saying that because you're in a friend. A friend. I had I had high expectations. I've heard pieces of this story. I'm out at John Broman's event, but dude, such an awesome book. So Thanks, way man. to not only pull this off, but also put it in writing so others can benefit from it too. Cool. Appreciate um, appreciate that. All right. So let's start with an event that I was actually at. This went down. I didn't even know it was going down, but then I read it in the book and I'm like, oh, I was there. So <laughs> I think it was day three of your thank you journey. Yeah. Yeah. So day right. three. So what's, what's interesting about this whole project of, you know, if you, in committing to expressing five 
you know, with five people, gratitude in, in written form is you're constantly having to look for people to appreciate, which is kind of a unique filter to live your day. If your day is every time I, I have to find someone doing good so I can acknowledge it and appreciate it. It's a really interesting way to like you, what you start to notice is a lot of what's great in the world and what people do. Cause it's so easy if all we watch is the news or whatever, that it's like, oh, the world sucks. Like the world has so much, so many problems and it was interesting just to have that filter in my life. So every day looking for five people to appreciate. And I was boarding a plane from Los Angeles. Well, to actually, you know what? I completely messed this up because I love how you opened the book. The very first thank you you wrote. So you want to start there and then we can share that. <laughs> because that, that's when it hit home to me that I'm like, oh, dude, that's so awesome that that's how this whole journey got rolling. Yeah. Well, it was funny because it, I didn't plan on this, but I, I was excited. It, you know, it, it's like... I knew the product was starting the next day. I, I took 10 days to get fully committed, like make my list of who I wanted to appreciate. Because when you write five cards every day, that's a combined 1,825 thank you cards. That's a lot of people. And so in my database and with my you know, clients and with you know, friends and family, I made an initial list of like 360 people. That still leaves a lot of people to appreciate throughout the year. And so you know, I remember going to a coffee shop at like, 5.30 in the morning because I just couldn't even sleep. I was just so excited for starting the project. So I go there and I, and I go get my coffee and uh, you know the barista, uh, she, you know, super pleasant, smiling, happy. And she's like 18. And I'm like, wow, an 18-year-old who's excited and smiling early in the morning. And then she helped me and then there's hardly anyone else there. So she's like pack, unpacking boxes and she's just productive. She's just like making stuff happen. And so I, I go back to my seat with my coffee and I realize, all right, she is number one. She's the first thank you card that I'm going to write. And so I, I, wrote, uh, I wrote this card to her and you know, it's just like, hey, uh, I know this might be super strange to receive a thank you card from, you know, from a customer, but I just wanted to say you know, how much I appreciate you waking up early writing, you know, uh, you know, serving my coffee with a smile and just everything that you do, unpacking boxes, being productive, and really just to make people's day. I spend literally thousands of dollars at Starbucks uh, throughout the year and because we go there all the time mm-hmm. when we travel. And I just want to let you know how much I appreciate who you are, what you do, and everything you're about. Um, thank you. And then I've signed my name. And at the end of it, I had to put P.S. I am totally married with two children, so do not take this as anything other than what it is, which is simply a man saying thank you to another person. Because you know she's like cute, yes. and eighteen, and I'm like, I don't want this like you know telling her boss like, so I yeah, I don't want the old creepy guy syndrome. <laughs> right? I know, right? Um, and that, what I love is in the book, you literally some of these you took pictures of before you gave them away. Yeah. I circled your PS just because it made me laugh out loud. I, I thought that was hilarious because that is one of the things like that you talk about in the book was. Uh, you know, when you randomly start thanking strangers, you know, it's like it creates this dynamic people aren't used to at all. Totally, and, totally uh, disrupts what they're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I love, I, so that's thank you card number one. You get this thing rolling. That is. Let's hear the story of day three where I'm yes. literally sitting beside you at a random bar in Philly having a beer and having some fellowship and didn't even realize this was going down. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to kind of like roll into that, there's, there's five cards I had to write and all of them really kind of played into each other, which was really pretty cool. So first I'm boarding this plane from Los Angeles to Philly and it's two flight it's two legs of the flight so I have two, you know, two sets of pilots and you know as I'm boarding the plane I'm thinking about you know who am I going to appreciate today? You know the first people that came to mind was the pilots or were the pilots because you know every time I fly I'm praying for safe travel 
you know, I'm married. I've got two kids at home. Most important thing for me of any trip is making it home. And to date, they've 100% delivered on that. And so I thought, you know, I never get to see them. I never get to talk to them because for security reasons, it's understandable. We don't really get to communicate with them. And so I thought, you know, they're just such, they, they have such an important job that no one gets to appreciate them. I'm going to do that. So I board the plane and I asked the flight attendant for the pilot's names, which is a super weird question to, to ask, by the way. They don't know. They're like, what, why? Why do you need to know? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to write them a thank you card. And then and they're like, okay, that's fine. So she gives me the names. I sit down and then I have this conundrum, which is how do you thank somebody that you don't even know? And that was a big part of this journey was, you know, discovering how can you appreciate people from nothing? You know, they didn't do anything to necessarily, it's not like they gave me a gift, like they didn't give me a birthday gift. And so I have this obligation or this desire to suddenly thank them for something they did. It's like having to search and dig for what can I acknowledge and appreciate this person for? And so I just thought about what must it be like to be a pilot, you know, just becoming curious. What's their life like? What do they care about? What are their values? What are their dreams? What are their goals? What are their biggest problems they deal with? And so I just thought about all those things. And then I started feeling really connected with, with regardless of knowing their name or really like their personal life, what their life must be like. So essentially I wrote this note, uh, you know, dear pilot, I can imagine it's probably odd to receive a thank you card from a passenger. But as I was boarding my flight, I realized how much I missed my family. And I realized in the same moment that you probably miss your family every single time you fly, which is a lot. And not only that, but you miss a lot of important events, holidays, and things that really matter to you just to do your job. And on top of that, I imagine that this is a job that you've been wanting to do maybe since you were a little kid, because people don't become a pilot by accident. And on top of that, you, you have hundreds and thousands of people's lives at your fingertips every day and only to have a slightly rough landing because of turbulence and people complain about it. So whether you hear it enough from passengers or not, thank you on behalf of me and everybody on this plane. So I wrote that note and I gave it to two of the pilots, jump on the next plane, same thing, write the letter, give it to those two pilots. And what was interesting about that experience was I, I was using my business stationery, which had my name, my email, my, my cell phone number. And here's what blew me away is that within 24 hours, three out of the four pilots personally text messaged or emailed me to thank me for the card that they received. And one went on to say, you know, John, in my 12 years of flying, I have never received a thank you card from a passenger. And that just blew me away because I'm like, man, these guys have such significant, such important jobs and no one's taking the time to appreciate them. And if it's like that for those people with such important jobs with so much on the line, what about everybody else in their jobs, in their relationships, in their careers? How much are people not being acknowledged and appreciated for who they are and their contributions to the world? So that really kind of sparked you know, some ideas in my head of how, how we could impact the world with this project. So we land in Philadelphia. We do the front row dads retreat. That's where you and I met for the first time. And we, 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 we had a great night. And we finished off by deciding to go to a bar slash restaurant. It was, a lot, it was the World Series game. I remember that. And we pull into this, this restaurant bar that it was totally dead. There's like hardly anybody in there. And there's one waitress. And as we walk in, there's like 40 of us rowdy, loud, entrepreneurial guys. And everybody literally stops and looks at us like we're a spectacle because we are. We weren't supposed to be there. We had no reservation. And you can see the, the look on the one waitress's face, which is 
basically like, all right, y'all just ruined my night. You know, she looked like she was probably about ready to wrap up early, go home. But now we were going to keep her there all night. And we stayed there till like 1.30 in the morning. I don't know when you left, Brad, but we were closing that place down. And it it was late. But what was so magical, and you remember this, is that her name was Shantae. And she did a phenomenal job, even though she was like the only waitress there. She really warmed up to us. You know, we were cracking jokes with each other. She just did a phenomenal job, got all of her orders correct. And I just thought that she just did a really great job knowing that we really kind of uh, totally surprised her and she could have, you know, not been a great server. And I think we would have understood because of how we showed up. So I realized, okay, she's my number five. She's my last card for the day. So I grabbed some stationery and I, and I essentially write this note, which is, you know, dear Shantae, I imagine it's odd to receive a thank you card from a, uh, from a customer. But what I wanted to let you know was, you know, we are a group of entrepreneurial fathers here for a retreat to learn how to become better husbands to our wives and fathers to our children. And tonight was very important because it was all about fellowship and community and for us to get to know each other better. And while I know we showed up and had no reservation, you wound up serving us immaculately. You could have been annoyed and frustrated and gave us terrible service and we would have understood, but instead you are great. So I just want to let you know how appreciative I am and we are as a community for what you created tonight because it really made a difference in our experience together. And I wrote that note, put it in an envelope, walk over to Shantae. She's cashing out her tips on a different table. I hand her the letter. She accepts it awkwardly as most strangers do when I hand them a thank you card. <laughs> and then as I'm leaving, I, I realize I got to go to the restroom. So I do a U-turn, go back in the restaurant, go to the bathroom. And then as I come out of the restroom, Shantae is there waiting for me. And her head's cocked to the side. She's got a little, little grin on her face. And she runs at me and gives me the biggest bear hug of my life and says, that is the best tip that I've ever been given. And then she put me down because uh, she was literally picking me up. And we just paused for a second there and, and just like looked at each other. And it wasn't, you know, customer server. It was, it was human being and human being. And, and that's really what I got on day three was just that regardless of people's roles, we are all human beings with goals, aspirations, desires, challenges. And when we choose to be great in spite of our challenges, that truly is a gift. And the best definition I've ever learned about of what gratitude is, the emotion of gratitude, it's the feeling one has when they receive a gift or experience something as a gift. And I, that's where I, that's, and that's what I experienced there. And what was great about with that experience with Shantae is what I saw is that people just want to be seen, valued, and respected because we gave her a huge tip, right? A fat tip. There's 40 of us. We're all entrepreneurs. We're generous guys. And no matter how much money she got that moment or any previous moment, she said, this is the best tip I've ever been given. That says a lot. That says that people are yearning for something, that this matters to people. So at the end of that day, as I was walking back to the hotel, I mean, I was just like, like choked up, tearing up. And I'm like, this, this is so important. This is so important that we acknowledge and appreciate and see each other for really our greatness rather than our weakness. And that was just my first real experience of it. And I, I was at that point, I was just, if I was a, you know, level eight or level nine committed to the project, that totally brought me to a level 10, 100%. No matter what, I will finish this project because I could see the impact that it can have on people. Yeah, dude, I could just sit here and have you tell these stories all day long. I mean, because, <laughs> I mean it's just story after story after story, but what what created them, well, I, I just, I took 
I took a list of things from the book and, and we were talking about this before we went live. And I know we're going to also get to, for all you financial advisors, we're going to tie this all together of what it did for John's business uh, by the end, which was not the reason, but it's cool how what you say it in the book, uh, what you appreciate appreciates, right? So we'll talk about how that impacted his business over the year too. But one of the things I took as I dug deeper and deeper into the book is you started this project with an external focus of how can I thank people that meant something in my life or did something kind or maybe go unrecognized throughout the day and should be recognized. But the more I dug into the book, I started to get this list of what it was actually doing for you and what it was doing for your family and the impact it was having on you internally that I don't... My guess is you thought some cool things would happen along the way, but did you have any idea what it would actually... How it would start to change you as a person as you went through this year? Yeah, I definitely didn't know what was going to happen, but I was just kind of open to the experience of it. And and really, it's like any challenge. It's like for anyone here who's maybe trained for a triathlon or a marathon or anything that you've never done, you literally have to become a different person in order to accomplish it. I think that's some of the reasons why we do that is we want to become more disciplined. We want to develop self-reliance or resilience. And so I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew I'd have to it would affect my gratitude somehow. But what, what really affected me was just the understanding of what, the responsibility that now shows up by appreciating people as a part of your life. You know, an example of that was, um, you know, I shared a story of, of uh, uh, in the book of the best thank you card that I gave my wife. And it was totally unexpected because actually I wrote her a really long, gushy, what I love about you, so grateful for our marriage and how we met and everything. And I, I laid that out and I, I gave it to her. And no, no joke, Brad, she like literally didn't say anything. It was just, I was like, come on, like, give me something here. And, you know, we, Which that goes to one other lesson you learned along the way that I'll, yeah, I'll bring we, up we, later, we, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and, but at the same time, by the way, we had like a, a three week old child. So, I mean, I had very minimal expectations of anything that my wife would do. So I was like, you know, whatever, I'll move on. So what happened was uh, I, w- I woke up one morning and we're big coffee drinkers. Like that's part of our life. And we had just moved to Dallas, Texas. And this is a brand new house. We, we only brought one car with us because we were going to buy another car later on once we were there for a little bit. And I woke up and I make the coffee in the morning and then I leave it for my wife, you know, a little later when she wakes up. And so I was making coffee and then I realized, oh crap, we're out of coffee. Now, this wasn't a big deal for me because I was about to leave to go meet some clients and I can just go through the Starbucks drive through like no big deal. And so I, I, but I'm like, oh my gosh, but my wife won't have any coffee and she has no car to drive anywhere. And the next, the closest Starbucks is going to take her at least like, you know, 30 minutes to 45 minutes to walk with two young children in this brand new city she's never lived in. And so I, I just didn't know what to do. So I was like, I, I mean, I got to go. So because if I left, if I went and got her coffee and brought it back, I would hit the worst traffic and I'd be 30 late for my appointment. So it was just kind of like a very tough situation. And I decided I'm just going to go because that's just what I decided in the moment. So as I'm walking out the door, my wife comes down the stairs and then she says, hey, is the coffee ready? I said, we're out of coffee. Dun, dun, dun. And I just see, right? It was like out of a sitcom. I just see the look of despair, like, because the information started getting to her head of like, oh, we're out of coffee. Oh, you're leaving. Oh, I don't have a car. Oh my God. I've had two hours of sleep and I have two children with me all day and I will have no coffee. And I could just see the despair come over her face. And I was like, sorry. <laughs> I walked out just like a cheese ball. And I left and I get in the Starbucks line and I have this decision and I'm like, oh my God. 
I just wrote this amazing, loving, gushing, how much I care about you, thank you letter to my wife. Yet in this moment, I'm going to put my work as a priority over our relationship. And I decided in that moment, I was like, I have to do it. So I, I ordered a second cup of coffee, drove the 10 minutes back to the house, dropped it off in front on the front lawn in the on the front of the, the front porch and I put a little note on a literally a note card and all it said is you're always worth a hot cup of coffee and then I I jumped in my car and I had I had my appointment and then I sent her a text like hey go to the front door and she took a photo of it put it on Instagram oh my gosh I love my husband best husband in the world and she went on to say like that's the best thank you card I ever wrote her I'm like, well, that's interesting because that was also the shortest one I've ever written you. But what I think was important was that it was an expression of the commitment that I said the day before. Because it's like yeah. you you become responsible for your words. If you say I love you, but then you don't honor it with your actions, there you go. And, and I, I put, love too in the book, you randomly snap pictures on your phone along the journey. And I love that you just set it right there on top of the coffee for those that are watching in or listening in. You, I threw it up there on the camera. So. Yeah, and that, and it was it, the lesson that I learned is that how, is really a question, which is how do you treat that for which you are grateful? Because if you're truly grateful for something and you appreciate it, you will treat it differently. You will pause. You will notice it. You will give it love. You will take care of it, however it needs. And that goes with your staff. That goes with your assistants. That goes with your team. Because if you say, "Oh, it's like a it's like a salesperson saying, oh, I appreciate my clients. I'm committed to 100% service," but then you don't return their phone call for 48 hours with the problem that they have. Or, or whatever. So it's like act consistent with what you say you're committed to. Yeah. And that was a huge lesson that really challenged me to grow. By the way, my client wound up being 30 minutes late. So I was completely on time. And here was the great part is that on that drive to my client, I was now in this great state of knowing you know, that I honored my commitment with this project rather than driving to my appointment on time and feeling like, oh, I'm such the worst husband ever. So because of that, I got to affect how I felt internally. And it just, it worked out in the end both ways. There was so much that story right there. Well, it actually reminds me a lot of what we talked about the dad's retreat, right? Which is, it's not so much as a parent, what you say, it's what you model. What are the behaviors that you show and how does that show up for your kids, your spouse works the same way in business, right? I can say, do this all day long, but if I don't actually model it, then your team doesn't believe that you actually, it means anything to you anyway. And one of the things that that, just that little note made me think of and what you just shared right there, how it impacted you internally. Darren Hardy wrote a book called The Compound Effect. And in it, he shares this cool story that actually reminded me a lot of your project. He had a buddy that was kind of like the buddy that outkicked his coverage. You know, He had an amazing wife, but he took it for granted. And so he was sharing with his buddies, like, yeah, my wife and I are really having issues and just, ah, th- you know, she's doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this annoys me. And Darren's sitting there listening. He's like, dude, you have the most amazing wife ever. What are you talking about? He's like, I'm going to challenge you. Each morning when you wake up, rather than looking at the negative and what she did wrong or what annoyed you or didn't do this or that, you know, left the house with the last cup of coffee, that type of thing. And uh, he's like, rather than like, look at that. He's like, the first thing I want you to do, I want you to get a journal and write one thing you love about your wife in it. He did that for a year. A year later, well, yes, his wife had changed a bit because he was now praising the positive things, right? So she was doing more of the positive things that he loved. But the person that changed the most was him. 
because mm. he now realized how amazing she was and how 95% of the things she did was awesome. It was just the little 5% that he was focusing on. And so that's what that story out of your book reminded me of is you get more of what you focus on and you chose to focus on what's amazing about other people versus what's not. Mm-hmm. And that was so much of the lesson, like as I was writing down some of the things preparing for this conversation, just hearing you tell the stories, I saw day one with the uh, barista. I saw day three with the waitress. You hear the story of your wife a little later on. It was cool to see how you changed along the way and follow that along in the story. And it was kind of a, you know, and it's interesting you point that out because it it took me a while to get that. It's like there is this, it's like human evolution. Like we, and as far as our, our consciousness and awareness of like, at first, when you're young, you're just paying attention to yourself because that's all that really matters. That's what's you know you're in your control. Then as you grow, you realize, oh, there's other people in the world, and I'm actually responsible for communicating and and being respectful and responsible. And so it kind of was like that same thing where I was very immature in my gratitude. I was very immature in my understanding of appreciation and really the impact that it can have. And you know, we'll probably get to some other stories, but that's really how the project evolved the same way is that it just became less about me and more about like it started with me and then it became more about others and how it impacted them and really kind of where it could go from there and impacting people on a, on a larger scale. I love how you opened the book because I, I, I guess intuitively knew this, but I didn't think about it this way. And basically the read this first section, which is I think, you know, right after Hal's forward, gratitude is distinct from happiness for this reason. You don't need to teach a three-year-old child to be happy, but you do need to teach them to say thank you. And what's what's interesting, like just going back to the immaturity, like that you recognize that in yourself. Like I also have an amazing wife that makes me a better person. And when I look at who she is today and why she grew up that way, her family did me a tremendous service. Gratitude was a big thing in their family. Like every single birthday, Christmas. Thank, handwritten thank you cards in the mail to every single person that ever you know got them a gift or did anything for them. My family it was kind of like, eh, you know, say thanks when you get it. Which yeah, gratitude was a big part of it. It was always please and thank you, but not so much in written form. And what I love is that my wife carried that through, and now that's a habit our kids have as mm-hmm. well. And I was kind of a laggard, right? Um, but hanging out with you has inspired me quite a bit. Some cool things that we do, you know, just in business in general, has really taught me that it's uh, there's a hunger for it out there, right? It's uh, nobody's doing this to the level they should be, and the people that do stand out. And and even going back to your pilot story, right? Been doing this twelve years, no one's ever thanked me for delivering them alive back down on the ground. <laughs> Usually, that's something you say thankful, thank you for. So, let's go to. I love your concept of you hit on this and you called it the, I believe the gratitude loop. Yeah. And that was a, that was another cool lesson in there. So you want to share a bit of that story and how that, how you came to discover that? Yeah. This came out of as a really big breakdown in my project. It was about, I think it was roughly two months in uh, to the Mr. Thank You project. And at that point I had written, I mean, close to 300 thank you cards. You know, when you think about it, five a day times 30, that's 150 cards every month. So I had written close to 300. And I was, I had just kind of this annoyed moment that I had sent out 300 thank you cards and only like 10% of people had even told me that they received it. No, the 10% that received it, they acknowledged it. They were like, you know, very appreciative and, and reflecting so much gratitude back. And it was, you know, really great and intimate. Uh, it, but then I was like, okay, well, if 
did or 10% did say thank you. What about the other 90%? What about the 270 thank you cards that I sent that no one said anything? And that's what I was focused on. Because at that point in the project, it was still my ego in play. Like I loved getting the feedback. You know, for me and my love languages, I'm a big words of affirmation person. So to hear back, if I tell someone I I love you, thank you. And then I get back like Stonewall, nothing. It's right. it's this really weird feeling, and I, it's part of it is like, well, do they did I do something wrong? Did it, do we have did, did I do something that upset them? You know, is this weird? Is maybe this over the top? And people don't it, it's making people uncomfortable, and all these emotions and everything had to do with me. And then I had this huge breakthrough when I was sitting down with someone in my family who had actually sent a thank you card to, and same thing, they didn't say anything. And as I sat down with them. Uh, you know, we were just talking about life and they were talking about a breakdown in their marriage and, and they, it was just really, really a tough time. And it, they were telling me, you know, John, it was so tough at that time that even I, you, you sent me a thank you card in the mail. I couldn't even appreciate it. I was in such a negative state in my life and in my marriage. I couldn't be grateful for anything. And I wanted to. And then we go on to have this great conversation about, you know, her family and what, you know, what I can do to support them and any, any of that kind of stuff. And, and it was, uh, really life-changing because what I saw is that how people react or don't react has very little to do with me because who knows what they're going through. And it was from that experience that I just gave up any need to hear back from anybody of any card because I don't know. And the funny thing is I wound up getting a card from somebody and uh, back, like they sent me a card like, hey, thanks for the card. Like, hey, here's what I want to acknowledge you for. And I didn't even say anything because I was busy in the middle of a trip and and I just forgot. And then they sent me a text like, hey, did you get my card? And I'm like, oh, I'm totally that guy. I'm totally the guy I've been complaining about. And so I was just like, okay, just cool down. It's not a big deal. People don't say anything. And, and that really was very transformative. Yet at the same time, I saw how important it was to acknowledge and appreciate people when they do acknowledge and appreciate you or give you a gift. And I had an experience with this client who, you know, they were looking at ordering some gifts and, and uh, she, I said, oh, well, you know, do you have any weddings coming up? You know, you get, might need to get something for her. And her reaction was like, I'm not going to get them anything else. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, I got this really wonderful gift and this and this and this, and they didn't even send me a thank you card. Mm. By the way, not that they needed to be receive a thank you card, but that they were acknowledged for their generosity. And when we go out of our way to maybe do an elaborate gift or something really nice for someone and they don't do anything in return, how do you feel? You know, that's how I felt. I felt that natural, even if it was part of my ego, it was this part that was like, man, I just, I felt I really put myself on the line. I was very generous and it wasn't even acknowledged. So what happens for people is when those moments come again where there's an opportunity to be generous or do a really nice gift, their reaction is like, oh, last time I did that, I kind of got burned. It wasn't really received the way that I hoped. So then we just go with a gift card or we go with like, uh, we'll just skip sending them a gift this year or whatever, because we have experiences that stack up that generosity isn't valued. So when you, that's where this concept of what you appreciate appreciates, what you acknowledge continues to show up. If you point out people doing something good, they're more likely going to do it again and that's what I call the gratitude loop is like, it's, it's thank you. And then you're welcome. It's these two parts to the story of like, if I, Brad, if you and I were talking right now, and this is an exercise I do with groups, if I'm going to share the story at a you know, conference, I'll, I'll say, Hey, grab a partner and partner a 
look at partner B and I just want you to just thank them. Just say, hey, thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. Just say that and really mean it. And then partner B, I just want you to stand there and do nothing. No facial expressions, no acknowledgement, nothing, like just straight stonewall. And they do it and you have to pause and wait there for a little bit. And then I say, how did that feel? And their reaction is like, from the people who were saying thank you, was like, I felt like insulted. I felt like I was vulnerable and I did something I didn't need to do. And it wasn't even acknowledged and allowed to be. And then for the other people, by the way, who were on the other side, they, they what they say is, oh man, like I, just, I felt I needed to say something I wanted to, but you told us not to. And I'm like, well, that's only because you're aware of it. That's only because I told you to be present to it and to not do anything. But that's, but think of how many times people do something great in our lives around us, but we don't notice it. We don't acknowledge it. And because of that, we're cutting off the likelihood that they're going to want to continue doing it over and over again. And that's really where the principle of what you appreciate appreciates actually exists. That's why it works because of what, you know, this thing that, that showed up was called the gratitude loop because what you acknowledge and appreciate wants to continue showing up again because it, it sees, it sees that it's valued. Yeah. And there's such a huge lesson there in that. I mean, that's simple. That's not even, that's not complicated. A gratitude loop that is, Hey, thank you. You're welcome. Doesn't get much simpler than that. And what I see a lot of times going back to financial advisors out there and you've built a business, I've got a team. That's not easy, right? Building a team and leading a team is not easy. It's one of the hardest things out there. But one of the easiest things to do, if you actually take the time and going back to being aware of it, right? Which this project made you really aware, is to express gratitude when you see good things happening. When someone on my team is a rock star and they crush it and it helps one of our clients and it took work off the rest of the team's plate, acknowledge it, acknowledge it publicly, recognize them. That's like the easiest thing to do when you're aware that has the biggest impact. Like you said, it, that behavior keeps showing up, but so many of us never do it. I've been, I mean, I've been very guilty of that. I'm, I'm running full steam ahead all the time as most entrepreneurs are like eyes on the prize, eyes on the finish line. But if you don't do that, nobody's there with you along for the ride. Right. And so it just, it's been cool to see how... I love that exercise, by the way. Um, I'm probably going to steal that from you. Maybe I'll... Feel free. Feel free. But um, <laughs> let's... Um, you also had a concept. You call it the YNK, which kind of goes right hand in hand with that. Going back to the people that didn't respond. And you had a story in the book. I don't think... It might have been your family member. It might have... Oh, it was actually it was your a, uh, childhood friend, I think. Maybe. Yeah. So it was a good friend of mine. So there's this, uh, so, you know, what I wrote about was called the YNK factor, which means you never know. Like you don't know the good that you do in the world and the impact that it's going to have. And for the most part, that's what it was like with this project of writing thank you cards. It wasn't like I felt, you know what? I think so-and-so needs a thank you card. Like sometimes it was like that, but most of the time I just try to be in the moment and inspired and just go with it. So I have this friend and he's an entrepreneur and he lives out in, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And great guy, very generous, lots of fun. My wife and I went out to go visit him with our son, and and uh, uh, we only had you know one child at the time, and we just had a great time. He literally took a week off of work, showed us uh, New Orleans, showed us the um, where all the Katrina stuff happened. You know, took us to you know French Quarter Fest, this amazing festival, and just showed us the whole town. He was our tour guide for free, and he let us stay at his house, uh, which was which was really just generous. And in general, he's been a great friend. And so he was someone I was like, of course, I'm going to write him a card because I think he's just a great human being. And 
So I wrote him a note and, you know, just really acknowledged him for, you know, his generosity and his support. And I also, you know, acknowledged him for, you know, he was about to become a father. So his wife was pregnant at the time. And I just wanted to make sure, you know, that I'm a big believer in supporting fatherhood. And that's why, you know, I'm part of the Front Row Dads because it's such a different world from being a bachelor to suddenly having a child or being, you know, being single to having uh, having a child and, or, you know, married, but you get the idea. And I just, I wanted to really encourage him in that time and just say, hey, you know, I know you're going to be going through some tough times. And if you ever need anything, just remember, you're amazing. You're a rock star. You do great. You do good things in the world. And I just acknowledged him for uh, all of his good qualities. And he came out to visit me a couple of weeks, a couple of months later um, for a conference that happened to be in Dallas. And, and of course, we opened up our home and he stayed with us. And he pulled me aside and he said, hey, man, I got to let you know, like, I know you're doing all these things with thank you cards. And and, uh, and I just got to let you know that that card was like perfectly timed. You know, we were, ha- you know, he invests in real estate. And he's like, man, I, I just found out like some terrible news with one of our properties. And it's going to cost us like, you know, thousands of dollars. And, you know, on top of that, like, you know, my wife and I had a fight and I just was everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And then I walk out of my office to go pick up the mail. And yours was the the first letter in there. And I read it. He's like, and I cried because it was, it was like, you knew this is when I needed it. It was like this showed up at the perfect time. And of course, I didn't know that. I wasn't trying to do anything but acknowledge him for who he was. And, and, and it was amazing how many times something like that occurred where someone said that showed up at the perfect time. And I think that's, that's you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer. I believe in God. And I, I think that there's timing that we can't control. But if we're committed to doing good and, and doing his work, then I think that we're going to really, it will be amazed at how many of those things show up at how we impact people at the right moment at the right time. Yeah, that was such a cool story in the book. And uh, I love the concept of you never know because you don't. I mean, that that was another theme that came out of the book was mm. the level of empathy that you started to experience for others in the situations they were in, like astronomically increased as I saw the stories unfold in the book. And that had to be a piece of it, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And then Brad, I want to say, um, share one more. This is a story you might want to, you know, talk about this later, but I I think it's appropriate with this part of, uh, you never know, because it also relates to the ROI of gratitude. I know we're going to, we want to talk about that a little bit in that idea of, you don't know what someone's going through, what's going on. Um, you know, early in my Cutco career, I was 19 years old and, and I sat down with a customer and, uh, you know, did a sales call and she bought a, you know, a modest amount of Cutco and it was, uh, it was fine, you know, moved on. But what was great about the interaction is I really enjoyed this customer. Uh, her name was Cynthia Blackman, and and I just had a great time with her. We got to know each other, and I learned about her kids and her family, and it just you know really connected. For those of you who you know been in a sales process, you know that the connection you can create with someone in an hour's worth of time. And what was wild though was that in 20, 24 hours later, she actually called me to cancel her order, and it just blew me away because I'm like, what, what really? Like, did I do something wrong? And she's like, no, it's nothing you did. I, I just need to cancel. Can't tell you why got to go. Bye. And I was like, okay. And I, mean, I was a very young, very immature salesperson. And I, I was like getting frustrated and, and flustered. And then at the end of it, I took another 24 hours to sit with it. And, and of course I canceled her order. And I just felt like, you know, even though she didn't buy, I just, I just need to let her know how much I appreciated her taking the time to sit down with me. So I wrote her a thank you card. This is, you know, many years before the Mr. Thank You Project. This is, and I didn't write thank you cards regularly. This was just, yeah. I just felt I needed to. And I just pointed out, you know, I just said, Hey, Cynthia, I just wanted to, um, you know, reach out 
and just say thank you for your time. You know, I know it wasn't the right time for you to purchase Cutco. And I just want to let you know that regardless, I just I really enjoyed getting to meet you and, and uh, you know, meet your birds that you had in the kitchen and talk about your family and your kids. And and uh, I just want to let you know that, you know, if, if someday you're ready to order Cutco, let me know. And if not, no big deal. But I just really want to let you know how much I enjoyed our time. And I sent the card out. And then it was interesting because instantly I felt better. I stopped feeling like consumed with this, oh, like dang this customer or, oh, people cancel orders. And so I come in with trepidation for future sales because that might happen. It was just done. It was over because I got to say what I needed to say. And here's what was crazy was literally two years later, this woman calls me on the phone and I'm in college. I'm like 21 years old at the time and still selling Cutco. And she calls and says, hey, is this Cutco John? I'm like, yeah, this is Cutco John. Who is this? She says, this is Cynthia Blackman. You might not remember me, but I bought some knives from you several years ago and I had to cancel my order. And I very vividly remember her and I was like, oh, of course I remember you, Cynthia. Like, how are you doing? And she's like, well, you know, I, I, I'm ready to buy my Cutco. Do you still sell Cutco? And I'm like, absolutely. So, you know, she goes through and she's like, well, here's what I want. And she asks for like, she's list this huge list of stuff, asks for no discount, no deal. And it was literally an order three times the size of what she bought, you know, two years pre- previous. And I was blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this doesn't normally happen. And then so I was like, well, hey, Cynthia, like, thanks for getting in touch with me. I mean, I'm happy to help you here. And she says, John, do you know why I'm calling you? And I said, no. And she says, because you sent me that card after our meeting and it really showed that you cared about me more than the sale. And what I couldn't tell you was that I had just found out that I was diagnosed with cancer after you came by for your visit. And I was going to have to leave my job. And my boys were going to have to move back into the house and take care of me. And I didn't know what my future held, but I knew I couldn't keep my order. And so I just, so I knew that one day when I was healthy, I was going to call you and buy Cutco. And I mean, just freaking waterfalls, just uncontrollably just crying, talking to each other. It was just this amazing experience. But, and it was, it just, it spoke so deeply to my soul that that's what people care about especially in working with a, a, a salesperson, is that desire to feel like a human being. And I just thought, well, how would I want a salesperson to treat my mother in this situation? And that's like been my litmus test. How would I want someone to treat my mother or my family in this situation? And I, I thought, well, I would want someone to treat her with respect, love, appreciation, no matter what, because she's got a good heart. And I just assumed that of everybody else. And that, that was like a huge game changer that for me, you know, later in my career really played out. And I think that showed up very prevalently with the Mr. Thank You project of how this can actually impact your business if you're committed to just loving people beyond the sale and how much really generously just shows back up in your life. Yeah. Well, that's what's so cool about this is uh, what, how do you say it in the book? Something like you can't mess up a thank you, but you say it more eloquently than that. Yeah, I just say nothing, nothing bad can happen from saying thank you. Yeah. Simple and, enough. And, and so in this case, there's, there's a couple of things I want to hit on there that are huge. And this applies so much to financial services. The first one is what it did for you. So you're a young 18, 19-year-old. You lost a sale that was a decent one that would have meant a paycheck for you. That really sucks. Every financial advisor that's listening in right now can relate to you there because everybody's had a deal that they thought was a done deal and it wasn't. And what you did was, yes, at first you're like kind of upset. Like, what did I do wrong? Maybe there's some anger like externally to that person. Like, why did they make this promise they didn't commit to and follow through on? But then you took the high road 
you let it go. And yeah, it wasn't right away. But two years later, that came back. We'll get into ROI later, but that was a 300% ROI compared to what it what would have been, right? Three times bigger order. And But what it, what's powerful that I've experienced myself is by you writing the thank you card, it lets you just get over it and move on and closure, right? And I can just think of an experience the other day, just myself. We've talked about this. And, and one of the habits that I've had is, fortunately, over the last 11 years, coaching financial advisors and working with a lot of really successful individuals all across the country. I've had a lot more that have said yes. And, you know, pretty much Advisors Excel has a history of, you know, if we get someone here that's an optimistic entrepreneur, it's a great partnership. And we work really well long term together. But guess what? That has we've had a few along the way that stopped in and didn't stay. And I had I had a really tough one the other day that it, for some external father son you know, there were some external things going on with that firm, but they came on board six months, rocked it with us. We grew their business. We got them in mastermind groups that they wanted to be in that they weren't in. I mean, we were like, if I truly look back, we delivered 110% on our promise. But what actually unwound the thing was a father son that were on two different pages as far as their business. And I remember navigating some really tough conversations as they were like, Hey, we think we're going to go back to where we were before because my dad just has a long-term relationship there that he can't leave behind. And it might not be the smartest business decision, but it's what we got to do right now. That's not fun, right? (laughs) That sucks on all levels. And But I remember just acknowledging, thanks for the partnership, writing a note, saying a thank you. And it's amazing. Once I did that, I was good. Yeah, and, and once I could say my team delivered on every single thing we promised, it's amazing how healing and how, how much closure you can have there. And guess what? A year or two down the road when the timing is right, we'll be here and we didn't burn a bridge behind us. And I've just seen mm-hmm. that pay dividends over and over and over. So I just love that you share that story because not only does it work in your business, it works in every business if you approach things that way. I mean, who who wouldn't want you just elevated your set. Was it Cynthia was her name? Yeah. You just became the best sales interaction she's ever had in the history of the world because you thanked her when she didn't become a client. I mean, that's that's amazing lesson right there. Yeah, um, it's so. it's yeah, it's funny because I even think about, you know, when I go through my own sales interactions and I look at where are there opportunities to do this, you know, and I I went in to go buy a car and I went to, you know, two different dealerships, basically Toyota and Honda. And I was just like, all right, you know, which, which one's going to get my business and went to Toyota and they just, you know, they couldn't quite get the vehicle I wanted, you know, needed a V6 and all sorts of stuff. And, and Honda was like very easy to go with. And I had a, you know, actually I had a Toyota beforehand, but I just went with the Honda because I just, you know, it, it felt right. And their follow-up was immaculate. And when I thought about the Toyota experience, I was like, you know, what would help right now is if the manager, because I talked to the manager, the guy who ran the whole store, because he was really trying to earn my business. And if he had just sent a card, because uh, they called and said, hey, you know, are you ready? You know, are you ready to get your Toyota? And I said, hey, man, sorry, I went with my Honda. And if he sent me a card anyways and said, hey, man, just wanted to say thank you for giving us the opportunity to show you how great Toyota is. We know you decided on a Honda this time, but we hope next time you're considering a new car, you'd love to check us out again because we're always evolving as a company to serve our customers better. 
oh man, are you kidding me? If I got that letter in the mail and I'm at that moment when I'm ready to start considering another vehicle, I'm going to at least consider, okay, he did something above and beyond in the point of a no sale to go out of his way to say, I matter more than a sale because he sees a value in a long-term relationship. I'm at least going to consider. And I'm probably even more likely to buy from him if he were to do something like that. So I think in most businesses, there are opportunities to include those in interactions of expressing some level of gratitude and appreciation just for someone's time. And so that they have a feeling and experience that they matter more than the numbers. Because here's what happens. If people feel like a number, they start to treat you like a number. They start to shop you around, find out who's going to get them a better rate or a better return. And they're going to you know, sacrifice service uh, for a better price. When really, I know a lot of people who are ex- extremely successful, very profitable, and they don't promise the, the, be- you know, the best returns or the best anything, but they just offer so much value that the customers just feel good where they're at and they're okay with what they have. You know, and I think that's key in building any long-term business relationship. Yeah, and in that in that car dealership example, a hundred percent, he earns himself a second chance there. And guess what? You're going to buy another car, right? So you buy another car with a thank you note like that. Like, hey, this dude was a good dude. I'm going to give him another run. We. It actually reminds me. We've got a one of our most successful advisors up in uh, Ohio, a guy named Rob. He actually, anytime a client leaves his firm, handwritten thank you note goes out to him and think about how different that shows up than every other experience. Because most, most financial advisors on Fort, I shouldn't say most, I've heard this, I've seen this happen over the years. When a client decides to leave, instead of a thank you, what they actually get is a berating of, oh, you're making a bad choice. This is going to hurt your retirement. Just a shaming, right? Right. Um, because it's ego-based, right? Like you broke up with me, so I want to make you feel bad. And um, what Rob does Handwritten thank you note, thanking them for allowing his firm to serve them for the time that they did and for the partnership they had. And hey, by the way, we're a successful firm. We're going to be here. We know things change down the road. We will welcome you with open arms if you ever decide that you want our services back. And guess what? Guess how many of them come back? A lot of them. Absolutely. Because who does that? Nobody does that. And you think of how many sales interactions clients have throughout their life, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. that they never receive these things. And there's a big lack of trust in the marketplace. And so when someone's at a moment where they need to make a decision again, they're always going to go with where they have the highest level of trust. And if that comes from house, especially when so in, in the in the face of a no, someone responds with appreciation and gratitude. Like that's that's very distinct. That stands out and that shows a level of integrity and, and just you know about you know valuing a person over a profit that just has people want to come back there again. Yeah. So let's go into this is a good transition to the ROI. So what I love about the end of your book, um, you're obviously an entrepreneur and you're like, hey, I didn't set out for this to be a money thing, but it's interesting how it played out 365 days later when I looked at the numbers. So can you share a couple of the surprises you found along the way from an ROI standpoint? Yeah, because n- number one, there was an investment in this project. I mean, you know, I had to buy you know thou- like literally two thousand thank you cards that I purchased, plus postage, plus some of them. I w- it wouldn't just be a card; I might send them with a book or some type of a gift. So, I mean, it cost me several thousand dollars to do this project, and you know, it was it worth it monetarily? Did I receive that back? Thousand percent. I mean, I, I remember a distinct experience where I had one client who they purchased a modest amount of product for me uh, of gifts. And then I um, sent them a card right away with a funny joke and a band-aid and say, hey, in case you cut yourself again, 
because he came by and told me he cut himself in his knives. Pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, and I sent him with a Band-Aid. He cracked up. He calls me 24 hours later and says, hey, I was just talking to my brother and my father. We own this other business. We want to order for all of our clients for Christmas. And he wound up purchasing one single order that literally almost paid for all of the everything for Mr. Thank You for the entire year. And that's only one. I mean, there's countless other experiences. So, I mean, there's a direct impact because sometimes it does elicit a response. And um, so, obviously, I would, I would write a thank you card after every transaction, after every sale. Here's what was interesting, and I couldn't find this metric until the year was over. But every business has a retention issue, has a retention rate that they know, you know, for financial advisors, it might be, I sit down with, you know, this many clients in a week, I'm going to get this many that actually purchase, or I'm going to start this many contracts and this, these, this many actually close. There's some, dropout in every area of the business. And if you want to grow profits, that's one one area to look. And so for Cutco, for me, you know, in my business, my retention rate has been as as high as 10%, meaning what that means is 10% of people who would make a place an order would return or cancel for some reason. And by the way, that was when I was like a brand new salesperson. Mm-hmm. In my peak in my career, it got down to about 5%. So that means out of like, you know, 20 sales, one might fall through and not work out. So during the Mr. Thank You project, again, I wrote a thank you card to every single transaction I had. That return rate went down to two and a half percent from already a great percentage cut in half. And that alone increased my profits about six to eight thousand dollars for the year simply in non-canceled business. And I thought about that number and I'm like, that is massive. When you look at a company, right? And a team, a big team, and you implement some level of initiative that can lower a cancellation rate by 50%, what does that do to your bottom line and your profits? I mean, that's huge. And I'll give some specifics on like how I did it because this, I think it's not specific to Cutco. It's really, you could do this with anything. So, you know, I'd write a thank you card and I try to write it almost immediately after the transaction because that way it was like, it would get to them quickly. Um, so that if there was any sense of buyer's remorse or anything that they would have something immediately that they would get within a couple of days. So I'd write the thank you card and I would something simple, you know, Hey, uh, you know, Angela, really wonderful to meet you. Uh, appreciate your business. What I realized is you can buy gifts anywhere from anyone for any amount. And you chose to spend your money with me. And I can't tell you how much that means to me and my business and our goals. So thank you so much for that. By the way, if you have any questions, problems, or when you're ready for more, give me a call and I'm happy to help. And then I put that in the note and I would send it out. And what was interesting is I tried to make every note a little personal. If I had a funny part of the conversation, I would include that. It's great to add that. Brings the personality and the human connection. But I, by adding that little part at the end, if you have any questions, problems, or when you're ready for more, you're ready to buy more, ready to invest more, whatever, let me know and I'm happy to help. And what was amazing is how many people that might have canceled that actually called me to say, Hey, John, I had a question about this, or my husband had a question about this. What do you, you know, what do you think? Is that okay? Is this going to happen? And then I was able to re-explain something or maybe adjust their order. So it was a more comfortable size for them. And, and we were able to save the sale. Whereas previously before writing all these notes, people would just call the company cancel. And I would find out on my commission statement a couple weeks later and I'd be like, Oh crap, I didn't realize that happened, but it's way past the point of no return. I can't do anything about it now, but by being preemptive on the front end of writing this card and by putting that little trigger in there that in case they're feeling something to let me know, I think there was enough level of trust that a lot of them decided to reach out. And, you know, and I was able to save some sales. And I think that was a huge part. And by the way, I don't think that anyone should have an objective to have like a 0%. Like, I don't think that 
I remember a, a, a sales trainer once telling me, hey, if you're not getting canceled orders, you're not trying hard enough. Like, in, you're not really trying to get out there, see enough prospects. Not to say that you should have high cancellations. I mean, that's the other end of the spectrum. But there's something to be like, it's okay that it happens because some, it's just what happens in business. Yeah. So here's what's cool about that is number one, you're doing more of what you should do anyway, which is express gratitude who people to people that like and trust you and bought from you. But by doing that, you literally you decreased cancellations by 50%. And the ones that had problems that weren't ever telling you before that they had problems and were just canceling, now those are actually turning up and actually a call on the cell phone or a call to your team to say, hey, by the way, this showed up and it was supposed to be this. And so you're saving a bunch more sales. So that's, that's a no-brainer. I've got kind of the last question before we get to the philosophical stuff, John. Like I said, I was fortunate. I was actually... I got a thank you card from you. And I was actually one of the 90%. I feel guilty saying that, but um, <laughs> I didn't respond. And that sucks because I should have, because this did mean something to me. One of the things that I want to ask you about, because I think, I think sometimes people struggle with thank yous because yes, a lack of time. Yes, it's work. Um, but uh, you write an incredible thank you card. I mean, it's personal, right? And so I'm curious, do you, did you have like a, you wrote a lot of these. So you kind of perfected your craft for lack of a better term over a year. Did you have a framework of here's how I write this to make it incredibly personal? So it doesn't just feel like this guy sent out however many thousands of thank you cards you did over a year. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. So uh, I sort of had a framework, but it was very loose. So I'll give you kind of like a, a bigger picture of a philosophical statement that kind of led everything else. Mm-hmm. So the 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 root word of so the word appreciate the root word of that is a, a, a pretiare, which is Latin for to appraise or to set the value of a thing. So when you think of like someone buying a property or or selling a piece of jewelry, what's the first thing they do before they put it on the market? Well, they hire a professional appraiser who comes in with his list of questions to ask about the property to distinguish about it. What problems might it have? You know, does it have any foundation issues? Have there been any you know pest and termite damage? What's the location? What are the comps and other properties in the area? Yeah, and so they go through all these questions to discover something's worth. And so, it, really, what happens is they come in with curiosity. And so, when it comes to you know writing a great thank you card for somebody or appreciating somebody, it's kind of taking that inventory. It's taking those questions that I kind of brought up earlier with the pilot, but I'll kind of bring them back, come back to it, where it's like, what's great about this person? What's their value? What's interesting? What's unique about them? What do they care about? What are some of their biggest challenges and struggles? And here's what's interesting. And this is what was kind of a fascinating distinction. When you learn about maybe a problem in a property, it might lower the value. But when you learn about someone's struggles internally, what they do actually means more. When you think about oh, you know, your, your wife or your spouse or whoever, that you know, everything that they do... My wife stays at home. That's not the case for everybody. But you know, whether it be taking care of the kids or all the grocery shopping or dealing with so much that they deal with that I don't even see. You know, when you think about all the things that they do, it's like, okay, they do a lot of things. But when you think about that on top of having minimal sleep on top of you know having to deal with you know a sick parent on top of having to deal with all these things everything they do has higher value and who they are as a person has higher value 
So when I write someone an acknowledgement card, and that's where I, you know, I talk about in the book is the difference of a thank you card and an acknowledgement card. An acknowledgement card is really looking deeply at somebody and saying, this is what's great about you. This is what I love about you. And that's where, you know, when I would write the, the letters to the pilots, I would say, you know, what's so amazing is like, I, like, I thought about, I'm missing my family. That's what you do every single day. Thank you. And so I think sometimes part, and depending on what they're really like doing that for a client, I don't think that's necessarily appropriate, but saying something like you could have spent your money anywhere, but you chose to spend it with me and that for that, I am grateful. So I think it's like, what's there to acknowledge? What's there to appreciate? What are their goals? What are their values? What are their issues? And then if you can finding a way to craft that and put it into a letter, you know, that's great. And by the way, it takes practice. And this is kind of an interesting thing. I'll kind of leave with, I'll end this part on, but, and you can, you'll have more questions, I'm sure. But, um, I was, uh, talking to someone who's kind of a mentor in my life. And he was asking me, you know, Hey, how I had just given him a thank you card. And he, you know, we were sitting on a bus together going you know, on this company trip somewhere. And he was like, dude, I gotta tell you, like that card was so amazing. And like, you know, Hey, I overheard about you doing this thing with thank you cards. Tell me about it. So we started talking about it. And this is by the way, all, all also around the same time where I wasn't getting as many reactions from people as I was mm-hmm. hoping for. And he said, well, you know what? Have you ever, he's like, do you know what a junk ball is? I was like, no. He's like, it's it's like you know, it's like in hockey or or, or in, you know sports where you're not going to make every shot you take. It, not every pitch a a, a pitcher throws is is a strike, but it, but it's a part of the game. And while I bet some of your cards weren't perfect or the best cards you could have written, it probably still meant some more to somebody than if you sent nothing at all. And even though if to you it might not mean anything and they might not say anything, it still probably matters to them that they were acknowledged and appreciated. So even if your cards aren't perfect, it's pro- it's better than doing nothing at all. And that to me was like really like, okay, it doesn't need to be perfect. And that kind of just got me over that it needs to be this pristine, poetic thing. You know, and by the way, people are nervous about their handwriting. Just type the letter out and then sign it at the bottom. I think that's totally appropriate as well. Some people do that. If they, they want to make it a really personal one. And so you can type it out to edit it. And that's one of the beauties of it is with writing a letter, you can rip it up and start a new one. And I've done that multiple times, writing a letter to somebody and rip it up, throw it away, start a new one. The nice thing is you could do that. But if you have, you know, sometimes for people having a vulnerable conversation, doing this is difficult, but writing it on a letter and mailing it is, a, it's like kind of a step in that direction Yeah, a vulner. It still requires vulnerability, but it still gets the message out. My thank you writing process is for every one thank you I send, I need two cards. That's, that's my success ratio <laughs> with the combination of my handwriting and trying to say things the way I want to say them. So, yeah. um, well, John, this has been an awesome conversation. Before we get to the philosophical questions, one of the things I love too is this journey of thank yous. You had some pretty incredible, notable people that returned the response. And then also, please tell the Zags team because, or the Zags story just quickly. <laughs> uh, I know you're a Zags alum and that's a fun one. So if you yeah. don't have some of the notable responses you got back. Oh, hundred percent, man. So, all right. So I went to, I'm a, I went to Gonzaga university in Washington state and you know, I didn't go there because they have a great basketball team, but I found that out when I got there and I became a huge loyal fan. I'm not a huge sports fan, but I'm an absolute Gonzaga men's basketball fan. And, you know, if you guys watch the sport or March madness, you know, that we've, historically had a pretty good team and we've gone very far, which is unique because it's a very small school. It's about 3000 undergraduate, at least when I was going there. And so 
uh, during the Mr. Thank You Project, it was a very unique year for Gonzaga men's basketball because we were actually ranked number one in the in all of NCAA basketball as the number one ranked team. And we actually made it to the finals, to the, the national championship game, NCAA tournament, March Madness, huge deal. It's like going to the Super Bowl. It's, it's absolutely massive. And we went against the University of North Carolina and we lost. It was just an ugly game and it was just a sad, just like depressing loss. And I've heard of people getting depressed about like their sports team losing or getting really, you know, angry. And I just didn't get it. I was like, whatever, you guys are just faking it. And I I, I don't know if I've honestly ever felt depressed, Brad, but literally I felt depressed. I was just sick to my stomach. I couldn't believe we lost. We made it so far. And it was 9 p.m. at night. The game was over and I still hadn't written my thank you cards. And I'm like, God, the last thing I want to do right now is be grateful for anything or anyone. So one of the mantras that came about in the project was if I was in a kind of a a despairing moment or challenging situation, I would ask myself, how can I bring gratitude to this experience? And so when I thought about it, I was like, okay, well, yes, we did lose the national championship and we made it further than any Gonzaga men's basketball team has in the history of our school. This may be the best team we've ever had, and that deserves celebration. And I thought, what if I write a thank you card to every single member of the Gonzaga men's basketball team? And I, you know, I, I do like to write actually. So I've written a book. I wrote one called Skating Through College about my experience, you know, being a college student, paying for school on my own. And it's a really fun book. And, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a letter to every player and I'm going to send them a copy of my book. And so I, I wrote all these letters. And it was, well, here's what was so cool is that instantly that depression, that negative mood, all of it just went away completely right away. And I just started go- diving into the the notes. I went into um, the the men's basketball uh, website and I looked up the whole roster. I got everyone's name. I looked through their season. I looked through every game. Where did they have highlights? Where were they a key player? Where did you know what was their career like working with the uh, with the school uh, for that year? And I just started writing and acknowledging all of this stuff in these letters and, and, and putting them with the books and sending them out. And even the red shirts, the people that didn't actually play that season, you know, what I wrote for them was, you know, hey, championship teams aren't made in the championship game. They're made in every single practice that led up to it. And I know you had a big part in that and challenging this team to be their best. So thank you for helping make this team what it was. And I sent that out to every red shirt. I wrote a letter to the coaches and especially I wrote one to Mark Few. Mark Few is the head coach of Gonzaga basketball. He's been there for maybe close to 20 years. And it was amazing sending all those letters out, just how elated I felt and how proud of my team and a really power. And this was like a powerful lesson that I, I learned, which is that if you want to change your experience of life, change the conversations that you have. And what that looks like in real time is I could have very easily jumped on Facebook and been like, oh, the ref sucked or, oh man, so-and-so had the worst game of his career. And then I could have literally had the conversation everyone in my school was having about what was wrong and what wasn't good about the team and why we lost. But instead I chose to celebrate. I chose to acknowledge every single player for why they made this team, how great it was. And and, And that was such a transformative experience to just be aware of how my conversations affect my experience of parts of life. That was a massive lesson. So I uh, wrote these cards, I gave them out. And honestly, I just kind of forgot about it. Like months go by, it's now May, it's actually May 21st. It winds up being on my birthday. My wife comes up to me, we're out having dinner for my birthday. And she says, Hey, by the way, you got something in the mail. And she hands it to me and it's a, a letter. And on the top, it's addressed from Gonzaga men's basketball. And I was like, no 
effing way. I this is not happening. And I open the card, the envelope, and inside is a handwritten card from Mark Few, the head coach of Gonzaga men's basketball, thanking me for all the cards that I sent, all the books that I sent, and appreciating me for my fanship and my loyalty and how much he respects all the alumni and how proud of his team, what he is, and how grateful he was for me acknowledging them. I mean, I just about died. I was just like, oh my God, this is the I mean, this is the best thank you card I've ever gotten back for sure. And it just, it meant so much to like, I, at that point, this was like seven, eight months into the journey. Again, I had given up hearing from anybody about anything. I was just over that part, but just seeing, but, but still getting that acknowledgement and what that did for me as a fan, as a, as a, a loving, caring alumni. I mean, I, if I was committed, I am like next level committed to this right. team because of that. And that was definitely one of the highest highlights of the entire year for sure. Such a cool story. Um, and, <laughs> and so I, you're get, I'm going to call out a challenge here now because I'm inspired. So all of you blueprint listeners listening in right now, here's my challenge to you. Take either the client that you thought you were going to land, that number one, the million, two million, five million dollar client that you thought was going to say yes, and then second or third appointment fell out somewhere, or that client that was a long-term loyal client that just told you they were going to leave and just move their assets, I'm going to challenge you, take five minutes, sit down, write them a thank you card, acknowledge them, tell them thank you for the partnership if they'd partnered with you for a while and how it was... a it was amazing to serve them during the time you did. If it's the person that never became a client, how you were honored to have the conversations with them that you, they probably haven't had with their own children, and you acknowledge the transparency and the courage that took to come down and sit with you and go drop one of those in the mail and see what happens. And then write me. And then I'm going to pass that on to John because this type of stuff fires him up. I know that. So uh, 100%. Um, just go do That's my challenge to you. Pick one. I'm not going to say write five a day. That's a big one, right? I'm, don't don't pull a John and go sign yourself up for two thousand thank yous. Just write one and see yeah. what. happens. And, and by the and by the way, just to um, share one thing about this project because I do I do hear back from people. I love hearing back from people who like start to make thank you cards a habit. And I, periodically, I'll hear someone say like, "Oh, I loved your story. I'm totally going to do that. I'm committed five cards every day for a year." <laughs> and my reaction surprises them because I say, "Don't." Like, don't do it. It's really hard. You've got to have a deep network and be super committed to like really doing this for a big purpose, like a really big reason. So here's what I would challenge you to is to do like one a day for 30 days. Just make a really simple commitment to doing it at a small level because then you'll get a, an experience of it and you'll get addicted. And once you do 30 days, then maybe commit to six months and then maybe a year. And then who knows, maybe this winds up just becoming a habit you have in your life, which it's amazing how many famous people and how many uh, you know, high-level executive CEOs um, have made thank you cards and expressing gratitude a regular part of their life, and not only how much it affects their well-being, but actually, really, how much it does affect their bottom line. Yeah. Okay. So here's a fun one. Actually, it came out in like the second or third episode I ever did with a guy named Scott McCain. Um, so, Hall of Fame professional speaker, best-selling author, number of different books. But I forget how this even came out. But he told me a Zig Ziglar story. And so Scott and Zig were on, when Zig was obviously alive, were on, they'd shared stages. They weren't like best friends by any means, but they'd sat down and had dinner before together when they were out on the road. And Scott lost his first wife. I think it was to cancer, you know, just Mm -hmm. nothing you would ever wish upon anyone at a fairly young age. 
And so Scott's depressed and, you know, going through what any grieving spouse would. And one day a box shows up in the mail fairly quickly after it happened. And it was a six page handwritten note from Zig Ziglar expressing that he'd heard that Scott's wife had passed away and how unbearable that must be. He can't even imagine. Um, Zig did have a child that he lost at a young age and he actually wrote a book on it. So he included a copy of that book and he said, Hey, this is kind of the process I went through. Here's how I came out of that on the other side. But I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you, buddy. But he basically said that in six pages. And Scott McCain is still telling that story years after Zig Ziglar's passed away. So if you don't think a handwritten piece of gratitude showing up in the mail can impact people's lives, it can. And it does, as you've seen, John. So that's why I wanted to get you on here, man. This has been an incredible conversation. Are you good for a couple philosophical questions and then we can wrap here? Let's do it. All right. Let's start with this one. When you hear the word successful, who's the first person you think of and why? The first person I think of, I think of one of my early mentors, uh, JP Arley, and he was the first person who taught me it's not about how much money you make, but it's about how much money you keep. And he taught me about integrity and loyalty. And, you know, he's still a good friend to this day. We used to work together and we don't and, you know, trust him with my life. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. It's awesome how often mentors come up in that. I think sometimes you don't always realize you are a mentor when you are like how you're impacting people's lives. So that's cool to hear how that impacted you. This is my, this has become my favorite. So I'd love to hear your take on it. If we were to look back 25 years from now and say, this was really absurd or, wow, I can't believe we used to do that 25 years ago and you would pick something, what would it be? Like something that we do, like, for example, like, like talking about, uh, like pogo sticks. Is that what you mean? Like something like, but, but current day that 25 years right. ago. So a good example would be like, man, I can't believe like everybody in America used to smoke 25 years ago. That's pretty absurd. Right. I, I would know what I'm going agree with that. Yeah, man. I think based on our conversation, I, I can't believe that someone has, you know, I can't believe that we used to talk via video and have cameras above where our, the person's face was. So we can't actually have a face to face conversation. You know, fortunately they've got cameras in the middle of the screens now, so we can actually have face to face conversations and not look like we're looking away. Uh, dude. So we, <laughs> we have to expand on that one. So before we went live here, and, and Emily that produces the show, this is our running joke because one of the reminders at the beginning of these shows is, you know, anybody that's recording at this time, I don't have a video crew that flies out and like, you know, records this from multiple angles. So maybe some, somewhere down the road, but the reminder for every guest is make sure, you know, you actually look at the camera versus on screen where their face is actually showing up. So it looks like you're looking them in the face. So John and I are like, well, we're going to, we're going to start a technology company because it's insane in 2018 that that technology does not exist on every single computer where you can just... Right. It's absurd. Someone's going to make it. We Somebody's actually going to reflect back on this conversation and be like, yeah, I got this really cool startup idea by listening to this <laughs> podcast. Now I'm a billionaire. <laughs> so there you um, go. good answer, man. Um, okay. I'm okay giving that away for someone to get wealthy if they actually do it. I'm okay with that because I'm not going to do it. That's one of those things. Like you got lots of ideas, just give some of them away. Just deliver on it quickly, please. Right? Please, please do. Don't don't let it be ten years from now. What is your favorite book that you've ever read, and why? Or maybe what is a, a book that you've gifted repeatedly over the years? So there's a couple different ones, but uh, you know, I think that the one thing 
by Jay Papazan. Fortunately, I had the, the opportunity to, to share a TED stage with him a couple of weeks ago and got to have a personal conversation with him because he's one of my favorite authors. And, and so the one thing is, uh, you know, basically finding the one thing in your life that matters and, and or in your business and really focusing your energy on that and how quickly results show up. I've reread that book three different times, highlighted different stuff, and it was just so cool to meet him. So that's definitely a huge book. I, I will reread again probably sometime this year. Thinking Grow Rich is key. How to win friends and influence people completely changed how I communicate with human beings, which revolutionized my business. And then what I've gifted the most is honestly the uh, the Miracle Morning, um, because for me, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Hal Elrod and his book. I've seen that it changes lives, and then so I wanted to give that away. And I'm going to do a slight plug here uh, for for my book for a specific reason because it's relevant for this in respect to giving things away, like you can give, like, by the way, I sell lots of gifts and expensive stuff to give a quality gift to someone. It doesn't even necessarily need to be expensive, but if it means something and if it's attached with a message of why you gave this to somebody and why you care about them and how it relates to the book, I think that's what makes something a really good gift. And so I literally wrote the book to be the best thank you card that you ever give somebody because I want it to be something that elevates gratitude in a relationship because you know people see you know and understand the value of reciprocity and expressing love and appreciation and, and really the multiplying effect that it has. So that's a plug for Hal's book and my book inadvertently at the same time. But uh, yeah, definitely Miracle Morning is one that I've given out the most. Yeah, Miracle Morning is one of my favorites. Your book is now one of my favorites. In fact, I'm going to help you with that cause because I'm going to give a lot away for you. So we'll talk, we'll talk after this, figure out how to make that happen. So what's interesting is even going back to what created the Mr. Thank You Project, writing five thank yous a day, I think you said what, on average, about an hour and a half of your time? Correct. So going back to Hal's book, what I love is, you know, you start with a morning routine and Hal's been on the show. And I, I believe a piece of, well, I know a piece of his morning routine. One of the steps is, is gratitude and appreciation, which a lot of that's like journaling and things like that. But right. you two need to collaborate on, uh, you know, an update to the miracle morning and that <laughs> little, put a little section in there because that's huge. Writing a thank you note each morning would be incredible. Yeah, and, and uh, um, something for the listeners to get that I, I journaling. By the way, I still write in my journal every day. One of the things I use the five minute journal. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And a great question it starts with is, "What are three things that you're grateful for?" And you know, I love to do that, and I think that's important to have that positive perspective. And what I will tell you is, like, you know, do some of that, and then also replace that if you do that as a habit. Replace that with writing a thank you card. But and notice the difference because writing down and experiencing gratitude just for yourself is one thing. But when you write it out and give it away, the actual experience of gratitude is really multiplied. And the most powerful thing, and this is actually from positive psychology, I didn't, in, didn't invent this, but it's called the, the gratitude visit where you actually write somebody a thank you card and then you call them on the phone, like someone that you really care about, a, a family member, a parent, a coach, a boss, and a you know, mentor, and you call them and say, hey, I'd like to get together for coffee or, or dinner or whatever, and you know, have it be in a relatively private place, maybe at their house or at a coffee shop or your office or something, and uh, get together with them. And don't tell them you're going to do this, but then pull the letter out and then say, I, I have something that I'd like to read to you. And then read the letter to them of what you want to say and how you feel. And what the studies have shown is that the amount of gratitude and happiness and, and joy someone feels lasts up to six months 
from that experience. Mm. And they tested this on highly depressed patients and, and uh, people who are just having like, you know, up and down emotions. And what they found is it was, it was such a powerful tool that people just would draw back to as a, when they have all these negative things to think about, they would just go back to how powerful that experience was. So not saying you have to do that every day, but if, you know, writing one a day is part of your miracle morning and, or doing a gratitude visit has a very powerful impact on your life. And obviously it's going to have a huge impact on that relationship. Yeah, that's an incredible idea. So we we were we both experienced this at John Broman's dad's retreat. Actually, it was right after you kind of shared pieces of this story because I remember we were up on that little lookout in that kind of national park, all those trees, mm-hmm. and we journaled. And it was write someone in your life a thank you note, right, or that you're grateful for them. And I wrote a note to my dad. Mm-hmm. You talk about a powerful experience. And now, as a parent myself, I mean, we have three little ones at home. I aspire that someday my kids look back on my time with them and just as a, I'm not their best friend, right? You know, I'm, I'm trying to groom them into successful adults. And sometimes that's not easy and that takes discipline and things like that. But I hope someday they look back with an appreciation of, wow, dad, I'm glad you did this, this, and this. That made me who I am today. And what I realize now being a parent is how thankful I am for my own parents but that I hadn't always expressed that, right? It's mm-hmm. in my head that I'm thankful, but I haven't actually expressed that to them so that they can know that I'm thankful. And sitting there writing that letter, like I start tearing up, like you're going through this whole journey of like, wow, this was me growing up. This was my dad taking me to that one game and all of the sacrifices that he went through. And then I wrote another letter to my mom as well. Um, all the sacrifices she went through. Not only was it a powerful experience for me, but then when I, they actually received that letter, wow. Speaking of waterworks, like my dad's calling me. I'm like, I feel like I'm a little five year old, just, you know, tears rolling down. Right. But such, such a powerful experience. Well, and what you just, yeah, what you uncovered there, you know, uh, Brad, is that, and this is a big experience, I think, from the project is that gratitude, it's like this, it's like this thing, it's this emotion that we have, and it's, it's, also a tool. It can be a tool for emotional management and for and to help us move through challenging times. Like so what you did right there, you know, I don't know what you were thinking about prior to writing that letter. You might have been thinking about, you know, your business, you might have been thinking about your life. Who knows what you were thinking about? But just by redirecting your thoughts of like, what can I be grateful for for this person? Like it just changes your process and how you're thinking and how you felt afterwards made a big difference. So I actually have found that that's where if you're feeling challenged, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling like worried about your business, you know, a good question to ask is, oh man, I'm feeling all these feelings. How do I want to feel right now? And then one of the most common things I feel is like, man, I just want, I want to feel grateful because I know I have so much in my life, but I'm just not feeling it. Okay. Well, how can I give away that which what I want? How can I give gratitude or increase someone else's level of happiness so that can actually affect me? And what you find is by doing that, it totally changes your state. And as a business person, as an entrepreneur, man, our emotional states, I mean, we get hit up and down. We make a big sale. We lose a big client. We have to deal with a staff member. It's just like up and down all the time. So consider this conversation as not like, oh, you have to change your entire life and do this all the time. But like now you have a tool to work through emotions and parts of your business to be really effective and successful in what you're doing. Yeah. It's almost like a levelizer. Right. It's like it totally does. It's an equalizer. Yeah, for sure. Dude, this has been such a fun conversation. So last last question for you. I'll let you get on to the rest of your Friday. What is one piece of advice you can share with the audience that's led to your success up to this point, John? 
one piece of advice. Now, are you talking in relation to life and business specific anything, to the mission? Thank you. Anything, whatever, however you define success. Yeah. And it's just the, you know, we've, we've talked about it today and this has just shown up again and again. And it showed up yesterday is that, you know, people are more important than profit. And what winds up happening is you profit more because of that mentality. You know, and I just yesterday I was out seeing a couple of clients in Ojai, California, which is kind of where we're visiting right now. And, you know, the clients placed an order and, you know, there's another client that I knew in the area that I was like, oh, I could stop by and see them. And I just, you know, it didn't feel right to come in and just ask for business again, you know, and just say, Hey, you want to, you know, purchase more gifts. So instead I just, I just showed up with a gift you know, I showed up with a copy of a book and, you know, gave it to him and we just had a great conversation. And I, I, I literally was like, I'm going to end any desire right now on my side to, to get more business in this conversation. And I just asked him about it, you know, his, you know, what he's doing. And he just listed like a celebrity's home and, you know, he's just got a lot of great stuff going on and, you know, asked about his family and his kids. And we just had this great conversation. And then eventually I had to end it and say, Hey, cool, man, I got to go home and you know take care of the kids while, while my wife does yoga. And he's like, Hey, that's so great. Hey, thanks for coming by, man. By the way, stop by again soon. I need to order, you know, some gifts for my clients. I got to order some more, uh, you know, some nice for my house. My wife loves Cutco. We never bought any for our house yet. Let's totally do that. Hey, let me know when you can come back up here. And I was like, sweet. That sounds great. And I I just can't tell you how many times that when you lead with relationship, but, but people, they know what you do. They know how to serve you and support you, that they're going to do business with you. They're going to refer business to you. So by leading with relationship, you get everything else that you want. And, And that, that has been really what's led my career to where it is today. Awesome. Awesome advice. Well, John, thank you. I'm grateful uh, for you carving out the time to hop on here, share this incredible journey you went on. And this is going to be a re-listener, I know, for a lot of those listening in because so much of this applies to our business and, and just life in general and how you carry yourself. So thank you so much for hopping on here and sharing with everyone. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, thanks to you, Brad, for, you know, being a great dad and your, you know, your commitment to being an entrepreneur and serving other people. And, you know, like you're just a great dude. And so when I had the opportunity, no problem jumping on here and, um, you know, just pumped to connect with your audience and just want to let them know if you don't know Brad personally, he's just an amazing human being. So like what, you know, he walks his talk and he's a very generous dude. So thanks, man. Thanks, John, man. You're gonna make me blush over here. (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, hey, if your path, if your travels bring you to Kansas, you always have a place to stay, man. So you, hey, thanks, crew, we'll let our kids like wreck, wreck the house together. <laughs> they will do a great job of that. Yes. All right, man. Until next time, John. Take care. Cool. See you guys. Thanks for checking out the latest show. On to this week's featured reviews. This week's first review comes to us from user Enright Jr., who says... First-time listener, great podcast, five stars. I've been a financial advisor for 12 years and I'm always looking for a new avenue to get better at my craft. Your podcast is spot on to what we need in the field and it was the best hour-long podcast I've heard all year. Can't wait to listen and expand my knowledge base. The enemies of success were profound and I see those all around me in this industry. This was able to get my compass back online and I feel refreshed. Keep up the good work. Thanks for the kind words and the review. I'm so glad you enjoyed the conversation with Greg. He shared some incredible advice for every entrepreneur out there, regardless of whether you're in financial services or not. And I love hearing that after 12 years in the business, you are still focusing on making yourself better. I find it's a very common trait of the most successful advisors in our business. Also, thanks for the praise in regards to the podcast. These comments really do mean a lot. And it keeps me hunting for more incredible guests to bring your all's way. So thank you. 
The next review comes to us from user Jared W. who says, One of the best podcasts I've ever listened to, five stars. I'm a college student studying business. I stumbled upon Johnson's Blueprint podcast a while ago and got hooked. He teaches some very practical knowledge, which has ultimately changed my mindset about business as a whole. I highly recommend this podcast. Thanks for your thoughts, Jared, and for the review. Man, I wish podcasts would have existed back in my college days. I think... uh, well, the easy to access format definitely didn't exist back then. We probably had to search them out on Napster and illegally download them or something. I don't remember. But not sure where you plan on your business career taking you. But if you are already seeking out additional ways to learn and grow, my guess is wherever the next phase in life takes you, you're going to be a rock star. If that happens to be financial services, make sure to hit me up. All right. Next up is user Dale Schaefer, who says, recently found this podcast. Wow. Five stars. I found this podcast thanks to the You Might Also Like feature. I am so grateful. In particular, the episode with Ian Cron and the Enneagram sent me down an incredible path for understanding myself and others. Also, very much enjoyed the episode with Michael Port. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an advisor or any professional salesperson and you are looking for meat. You know, tangible takeaways you can immediately build into your practice. Incredibly grateful for this content and the bonus resources, Brad. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. Thanks for the kind words and the five-star review. The episode with Ian Cron and the Enneagram lessons in his book, The Road Back to You, still impact me today, a few years after I've met him. In fact, I just texted a friend the other day to share his assessment test. It's actually at exploreyourtype.com. I highly recommend taking it and then picking up a copy of this book for anyone in a relationship, or a business where you're trying to better understand what motivates the other people's actions and your own for that matter. So glad it helped you in the same way as it did me, Dale. And um, thanks for the kind words and I'll keep the conversations coming your way. And the last featured review for the week comes to us from Legato Financial who says, Game Changer, 5 stars. I've never taken the time to listen to podcasts before primarily because I get bored easily. However, I can't wait to get in the car to listen to Brad and all of the amazing guests that are on the show. I feel like I'm sitting in a boardroom with the most elite board of directors available, all giving me the most practical advice from years of experience. From family time to best business practices to how to dress for success, this podcast is a true game changer for my business and my family. I truly appreciate the time you devote to helping myself and others in the financial planning industry. 10 stars if it was an option. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for the review, Legato Financial. I'm going to assume this is the same Legato Financial we work with out in Kentucky and want to give you an extra special shout out, Justin and Jessica. You're two of my favorite people in the world. And it means a lot to hear you say that you feel like the podcast is sitting in a boardroom with your own personal board of directors. I have to say that it's not the act of taking the time to just sit in the boardroom, but rather... It's the working hard to implement and execute the ideas that makes all the difference. And you've both been a testament to that over the last couple of years working together. So congrats on the incredible growth year in 2018 that you all have been having. And I can't wait to see all the big things in front of you as we go into 2019. Congrats on an incredible year. You deserve it. As we wrap this show, thanks again for those of you who have taken the time to write a quick review. I love reading each and every one. And for those of you that have interest in diving deeper or figuring out how you may be able to have our team help you implement many of the ideas shared on the show, 
My day job happens to be consulting financial advisors, just like Justin from all over the US, on how to grow their business and design a practice that serves them versus them serving it. Yes, it's possible. It actually is to grow your business and work less. This is a model we've replicated over and over in markets all over the country. So if you'd like to apply to see if it makes sense for us to have a one-on-one conversation on how to overcome what may be getting in your way, you can do that at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash apply. It takes about 5 minutes to fill out the application so we can understand what your business looks like, what challenges you may be facing, and how myself and my team may be able to help. Taking the first step is as simple as applying at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash apply. So that's all for this week. Thanks for listening in. And I will catch you on the next show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint. For access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from our show's guests, visit bradleyjohnson.com. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners. It really does help. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. The information and opinions contained herein are provided by third parties and have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Advisors Excel. The guest speaker is not affiliated with or sponsored by Advisors Excel for financial professional use only, not to be used with the general public or in a sales situation.